Our text today is in Luke chapter 2 as we consider a postscript on the Christmas story. That is a P.S. like you put on the end of your letter. There's a little story that comes as a few days after the birth of Christ. We'll consider today from Luke's gospel, chapter number 2. When we first bought this old building, there was an old lady who lived next door in the house. Her name was Catherine Shaw. And one of the first time I ever came to look at this church, she was peeking out the door, keeping her eye on us. <laughs> so I walked over to see her, and she asked, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're going to fix up the old church and open it back up. And she said, if you do that, I'd jump for joy. And so right away, we had a friend and an ally in Mrs. Shaw. We had only worked on the place for two or three weeks, cleaning mostly. And Mrs. Shaw said, I have a cousin who wants to meet you. And I said, well, why? He said, he's got some questions for you. So I agreed. I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but she set up a time to go visit with her cousin. His name was Justin Roberts, and he was 97 years old, and he was sharp as a tack. And I went into his house, we were introduced, and we all sat down. And before we said much of anything, he came right out with a question. He said, man, I want to know what you're doing over there at that church, and he's Shelby. Because that building was meant to be a church. So is that what you intend to do? I said, yes, that's exactly what I intend to do. But first got to clean it up and fix it up. Uh, but it's our intention to reopen it as a church. And he said, good, good. I want to help you. And so he got up and went into the other room. And he came back with an old, old notebook. And he said, my mother kept records for that church and in this notebook are her records and it starts in 1899 now that was 1989 so Justin had kept those records for 90 years waiting watching and waiting the previous owner of the church had used it for a summer camp and more than that, a storage barn. Much to Justin Roberts' disapproval. <laughs> now he was 97 years of age, and Justin wanted to know what my intentions were for the old building. When I answered correctly, he was all in with us. He donated money to us, and he was our guest of honor at our first service, and he sat right there, Right back there, he sang the songs with a big smile on his face. He was a grand old man. Now there's a similar story that happened just after the birth of Christ. We're going to take a look at it today. In Luke chapter 2, I begin reading at verse number 21. When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I'm always amazed by certain parts of the Christmas story. Eight days after he's born, which were, I suppose, a few days of rest for Mary and Joseph, they travel to Jerusalem, to the temple. It's seven miles away from Bethlehem, where they were. Not nearly as far as they traveled to get to Bethlehem. It was a Jewish law that when a baby was eight days old, he should be taken to the temple for several different reasons. Uh, To be named was one of them. To be circumcised. To be purchased or redeemed or paid for. Any firstborn son in particular was said to belong to God. So if you, your firstborn son was born, he wasn't yours. He belonged to God. In order for you to keep the child, you had to make a sacrifice, that is, buy him back from the Lord. The price would usually be a lamb, sacrifice a lamb, to purchase back your baby boy. But for poor folks... Uh, the price is a couple of pigeons or doves, which you could buy for eight cents. And so it was the most valuable life that ever was. Jesus, God's son, was paid for with a pair of doves, eight cents. It seems odd, doesn't it? Jesus was purchased so cheaply. But the ancient prophecy from Isaiah was that Jesus would be numbered with transgressors or treated like a sinner. And if someone had paid for me with a pair of doves, I'd say, well, that's all I was worth. But this was Jesus. He came to get close to us, to be near us, and he certainly did. So enter into that story one old man, verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Now it doesn't say how old Simeon was. But we assume he was getting well on in years because he's been thinking about dying. He's been talking with God about dying. Young men don't think about dying, do they? That's something that old men do. And God answered him, maybe in a dream. We don't know, maybe a vision. 
or maybe in a still small voice that God uses to speak. And he said, Simeon, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And then one day, it says Simeon felt urged by God to go to church. God didn't tell him why. But he was urged by God to go to church. Did you ever feel that urge, my friend? You ever feel that urge? You ever felt like you really need to go to church right now, today? My friends, if you ever feel that urge, go! Get there. Get to church. Don't let that urge pass you by. Simeon felt it. And he got up and he went. And what a good thing for him that God had planned that day when he arrived there in the temple. Verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So, here's the question. How did he know? How did he recognize that baby. Who knows how many babies were there that day. How do you recognize that baby? My friends, God has a way of telling you the truth. And when you hear it, you know it's true. Something inside of you says, Amen to the truth when you hear it. Yes, that is truth. Good preaching will do that to you. Something you hear and you say, I know that's true. God helped you to see that. Simeon saw that baby and he said, Amen. I know that's it. I know that's true. And he walked up and he grabbed the baby. And he says, now I can die in peace. Now I've seen him. And notice his description of the baby. It's very important. Notice carefully what he says. He says, he is a light. He's a light. He brings light to all the people, he said, Jews and Gentiles. Now just at that moment, as he's holding the baby, enter into the story an old lady. Verse 36. There was one Anna, prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of a great age and lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna is 84 years old. So now gathered around the baby Jesus is mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, and an old man 
and an old lady. Who are they? They're not priests. They're not rabbis. They're not important people, at least not important in the eyes of the people in the temple. But this story gives us God's point of view. And to God, these two old folks are very important. They both have been waiting. Watching and waiting for a long time. When old Justin Roberts handed me those records from 1899... He'd been waiting for a long time. Simeon and Anna had also been waiting for a long time. That day in the temple, Mary and Joseph met with priests who circumcised a child. And they met with priests who took the two doves and sacrificed the doves at the altar. Priests and rabbis were all around. Not one of the official priests recognized the Christ child. Not one of them. Only one old man and one old lady. So who are they? Who are these old men, this old man and this old lady? Well, I think the Bible knew that they were going to be there a long time before. There's a prophecy back in the book of Isaiah. Let me read it to you from Isaiah chapter 21. For thus hath the Lord said, Go, set a watchman, and let him declare what he sees. He calleth to me and says, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? What do you see? And the watchman said, The morning comes. The morning comes. God's watchman. That's who Simeon and Anna were. God's watching. They've been watching. They've been waiting all through a long, long night. Watching while others slept. Watching while other people were totally unaware. They were still watching. And finally, after the long darkness, they see a light. They see a light. Watchmen, what do you see? The sun is coming. The sun is rising. The dawn has come. We sang this morning. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his way. The long vigil is finally over. The watchmen now are relieved of their duty. And so we're left with a dilemma. How come Simeon and Anna recognize Jesus. And the priests and the temple leaders did not. And the reason why, my friends, gives me a sick feeling inside. Makes me sick. In the temple at Jerusalem, something has been happening. Slowly, quietly, subtly, 
A little at a time, a change has been taking place in the temple. You wouldn't notice it because it was very gradual. Now God's purpose for that temple was a place where people would go and worship and pray. is a place where they go to meet God. A place to sacrifice and give thanks. That's the purpose of the church. We come to do business with God. But slowly and gradually the temple was changing. People in charge were no longer focused on worship and prayer. The Pharisees were becoming the main group in the temple slowly they were taking over they were much more concerned with following all the rules uh, that they made instead of worship and prayer and they started to add more and more rules and were less and less concerned with prayer and worship then along came something we call politics you've heard of that haven't you Roman influence was now exercised in the temple. The high priest was not chosen because he was Jewish or because he was anything else. He was chosen by the Roman governor to serve as high priest. And the people with the most money could use bribes. And so a family that was very wealthy came to be high priests. They paid the Roman governor with bribes and were appointed to be high priest in the temple. Come to find out they were Sadducees, part of another political party, and that the Sadducees didn't believe in life after death. They said, when you die, that's it. It's all over. So the family of the high priest, put in charge by the politics of Rome, didn't believe in life after death. I ask you, why be a priest if you don't believe in life after death? Why? Here's why. You do it for the money. And so a marketplace is set up in that temple. Buyers and sellers and money changers. And 30 years later, Jesus walks into that temple, grabs a whip, drives out the buyers and sellers, overturns the money changer's table. And what does he say? My father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. Jesus goes on to describe the spiritual decay in God's temple. He says the Pharisees say their prayers in a very arrogant way. And he gave an example of a Pharisee praying. And the Pharisee, Jesus said, prayed like this. Dear God, thank God I'm not like them other sinners. Thank God I'm not like them. Not the kind of prayer that God wants to hear in his temple. Power and influence and money turns the temple into a place of no regard of business with no regard to right or wrong. Now you see God's purpose for the temple was prayer and worship and to meet God. And what did Simeon and Anna do? They came, it says, to pray and to worship and to praise God. And what happened when they came for the right reason? They met him face to face. There he was right in front of them. That little Messiah. 
that sick feeling in my stomach comes when people lose sight of why we come to church. We come to pray and to worship and to meet with God. And if we ever lose sight of that, God help us. God help us. Because that's what happened in the temple of Jerusalem. And it would have gone by unnoticed except for one reason. And old Simeon tells us why it didn't go by unnoticed. Listen to what he says. Verse 34, Simeon blessed them, said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, for a sign that shall be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. They thought they got away with it. They turned the temple into a den of thieves. And they thought, we did it. Nobody noticed. We got away with it. And Jesus came walking into that temple. And Simeon said, when he gets there, he's going to reveal the secret thoughts of a lot of people. And he pointed to the Pharisees and said, you are nothing but whitewashed tombs. All clean on the outside and rotten on the inside. You're hypocrites. You make up rules and say they're God's rules. And then you bless God and cheat the widows. You reveal their motives. And he said to the priest and the leaders, you're planning to kill me. He revealed their secret plans. Until they hated him so much, they found a way to crucify him. My friends, one thing about Jesus is he will reveal who is for him and who is against him. And if you're not for him, he will eventually expose you. As old Simeon said, some people will fall because of what Jesus exposes about them. Judas Iscariot was exposed. You know what happened to him. Pontius Pilate was exposed and he fell into madness. Caiaphas was exposed. The Pharisees were exposed by Jesus. But thank God faithful people who feel the urge and come to church. People who come to meet God and pray and worship. People like old Simeon and Anna who watch and wait. Who love to spend time in God's house. Those people, said Simeon, will rise. Thank God. Jesus will also reveal the secret thoughts of faithful people and honest seekers. Simon Peter's repentance exposed. True hearts were exposed. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea's true hearts were exposed. Mary Magdalene rose up and served Jesus. She was exposed by him. He will, like he did for Simeon, fulfill the purposes of their life. Simeon, it said, was just and devout and righteous, but not complete. When he saw Jesus, then he was complete. He could die in peace. My friends, 
stay close to Jesus, enjoy him and love him, stay true to him. When you do, he'll reveal your thoughts and he'll bless you. Be a watchman, watching for Jesus and work for him. Be like Simeon and like Anna. No matter how much of the rest of the world goes astray, you stay faithful and true. May you rise and be all that God wants you to be. Jesus will either make you rise, reveal the secret thoughts and the honest thoughts of your inner intentions, or sooner or later, if you are not faithful, if you really do not believe, if you haven't fully given over the control of your life to Jesus, you will be exposed. I can't tell you the sadness of my heart and the pain I feel when someone walks away, when someone chooses not to follow Jesus, when they are exposed. Jesus, as old Simeon said, will reveal the secrets of many hearts. Now the thing about Jesus is this. He never turns people away. Old Simon Peter had his secrets revealed. He denied ever knowing Jesus, and he did it three times in a row because he was afraid. Afraid of servant girls who gathered around a fire the night Jesus was arrested. Yes, he was exposed, but he wept bitter tears of repentance, and Jesus opened his arms and received him back. His arms are always open to you. He will always take you back. Thank God for that. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness as a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart now. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And so in the postscript of the Christmas story, there's two watchmen. Simeon and Anna, whose lives were fulfilled when they met Jesus face to face, who saw the sun rising on a new day. They recognized Jesus as the main focus of all that God wanted to do. And then the priests and the Levites and the leaders in the temple, who never recognized Jesus, who never saw in him the light that was the life that lighted the whole world, who rejected him, who spoke against him, were exposed. Please, my friends, recognize Jesus as the one person who can take your life and make it rise, make it lifted up, enlighten your mind and free your soul, and he can pay your debt. Even though it was eight cents for his life, He'll pay all your debt. Ultimately, he will restore you to God. Give meaning to your life. So let's all be watchmen and say to this dark, confused world, I see a rising sun. Come and open your heart to its light. Jesus will give you a reason to live, give you peace when it's time to die. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for lifting us up, letting us rise. We love you. We want to serve you. So Merry Christmas. May he make you happy and fulfilled. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you do. 
We know that when you come near to us, there's a bright light that shines in on us. And we know that when we see the things that shouldn't be there, we turn to you and you wash them away and make us white as snow. We want to start a new year with those intentions that our lives would be clean and full of God in a new year. So come and bless us and give us what we need. And thank you for this season that shows so much to us. Bless us as we trust in you with all our heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Closing, like you turn in your hymn book, if you will. Hymn number 93, standing as we sing. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Hymn number 93, standing as we sing. Ninety-three. Come thou fount of every blessing. prone to wander. Our hearts so often are astray. Lord, we ask on this day that you would teach us, teach us to be worshipful and watchmen waiting for you, for what it is that you have for us, Lord. We know that you are that one great and almighty King. You are the rising sun in our life. You will bring light and you will expose things, Lord. And so we ask that you would do that to us in our own lives. Show us the places that are dark, the corners of our heart that need to be exposed. Protect us and be with us. Bring us back to a full love of you. Each and every day we ask that we would have those new mercies, new every day, Lord. 
We are thankful that you have cared for us, that you are watching for those who are out there praying, who are out there longing and seeking for you. We just pray that you would help us to be those people. Help us to remember what we are here for in this church. And as we go out from this place, may we spread your word. May we tell others, may we live in such a way that we are a light to others. And Lord, we ask that you protect all of us, watch over us, bring us back to this place. We know we need the truth in our lives, and we pray that we would continually be doing, putting that in our lives. We are thankful for these things, for this Christmas season, for your great gift, Jesus, the Son of God, Lord, who takes away the sin of the world. We are thankful for salvation, many things. May our hearts be ready to see that throughout this season and through the coming year. In your name, amen. Amen.